Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. We started last week. I feel like, you know, more and more that I was preparing this and studying this and kind of piggybacks on where we were at last week, talking about endurance, talking about outlasting, overcoming. Um, I don't know about you, but I want to outlast the enemy. I want to whip him, beat him. You know, he's already defeated. I don't fight for victory. I fight from victory. Amen. So the only way he can defeat me is if he distracts me. Because he can't defeat you. But if he can distract you, then he can keep you from walking out the plan of God for your life. But he can't defeat you. You are in the king. You are in the kingdom. You are of the king. You belong to him. You are a citizen. And so now we are living out from the finished work of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. When he said it is finished, he meant it is finished. And now he came to us, to the church, his people, and he said, you bind on earth and you loose on earth. And whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Heaven will follow. Heaven will reciprocate what you're doing in the earth. So we're here to what? Occupy until he comes. I'm here to occupy. That means I'm here to outlast. That means I'm here to take some things. That means I'm, I'm here taking back what the enemy thought was his. We've got to go into territories and we've got to start living out kingdom principles. And, and so with that comes an endurance. And we learned last week that endurance is uh, not an option, but it's an obligation of the believer. Uh, that we finish and not just finish, but finish well. I love the words that Paul gave to Timothy. Paul's on his way out. Timothy's on his way in, and he tells him, I fought the good fight. He's not, he's not holding anything back. Oh, man, Timothy, you're going to love ministry. There's so many awesome things to look forward to. Just so much excitement ahead of you, man. You, you're ready. No, he said, I fought the good fight. Are you ready to fight? I ran the race. Are you ready to run? I pressed on toward the mark. That means that there were pressures coming against me. There's no pressing unless there's pressure, Right? Uh, he said, I kept the faith. That means I could have given up. I could have laid down. I could have backed in. I, 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 could have, I could have given it all up, but I kept the faith. Something was trying to take it. Something was trying to steal it. There were times for me to let it go, but I kept the faith. Amen? So these were his words of admonishment at the end of his race as Timothy's getting ready to start his. That, hey, you've got a battle on your hands. As a good soldier in the Lord, that means there's a fight, but you can do it. You're well able. We learned about that this past weekend, being fully committed to the plan of God. And you know, Caleb and Joshua, they had to outlast some things. They had to outlast their own people. Sometimes I think as Christians, we get surprised when, uh, you know, uh, opposition comes from within. But, you know, it's not always the, the opposition on the outside that gets us. We know that. We know the enemy is throwing out snares, and we know that he has come to steal and to kill and to destroy. And we expect opposition and oppression from those without the church, but then it's the ones that are right there closest to you. Those are the ones that we get blindsided by. So we've got to keep our eyes open, got to keep our ears open. We've got to keep up a watchful guard, not in fear, not guarding my heart in the sense of, I can't let anybody in. 
There's still transparency and vulnerability that is necessary for us to do what God's called us to do. And, and bottom line is you can't do what God's called, to, called you to do alone. Can I just make that clear? You cannot do what God has called you to do alone. That was the first thing that, that God addressed with Adam was it's not good for man to be alone. And he found for him a suitable helpmate. But there's all kinds of suitable helpmates that we have to get, that we need in life. That we need. And if I can even take it a step further, you need your enemy. In fact, I think after tonight, you'll even be thankful for your enemies. You know, Jesus said to pray for your enemies. That you need your enemies. Jesus needed Judas. Jesus needed Judas. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we see uh, Paul kind of addressing this scenario in his life. And he says, that experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. Now, in the previous verses, he was talking about having a revelation of the Lord where he said, whether I was in the body or out of the body, I don't even know. Whether I was present with him or I was still on this earth, I don't even know. But that's how real this revelation of the Lord was, that I literally thought I was taken up to, to see him and be with him. So he's saying that experience was worth boasting about. Anybody can boast about an experience of revelation with the Lord. Anybody can boast of an experience where, where God just reveals himself uh, to you in such a mighty way. But he says, I will boast only about my what? Weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth, but I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear uh, in my message, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. My, he said, my power, this is the Lord speaking to him. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is out of the new living. It's amazing here the level of gratitude Paul is speaking with. Gratefulness, gratitude, thankfulness even. It, it, it's incredible, uh, you know, you would think that he was speaking this highly of, uh, you know, a, a special gift or a special opportunity or uh, of, of a miraculous thing happening in his life. I mean, the way that he's talking, he sounds almost proud, almost in a proud tone in one sense of his position with these weaknesses and the weaknesses are 
the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, and troubles. Those are the weaknesses he is referring to. I'm not here to have a debate tonight on what the thorn in the flesh was. And I'm gonna tell you right now, you can answer that. It doesn't get you any, any quicker to heaven. It doesn't give you a bigger mansion. It doesn't add a different room or add another room. It doesn't add any more crowns, uh, jewels to your crown or any silliness like that. So I'm not even here to talk about. Bottom line is Paul endured. Everyone say endured. Endured hardships trials, persecutions. What he's literally talking about here in this passage is everywhere he went to preach the good news of the kingdom of God, somebody came in behind him to deter the people and to tell them that everything he just said is false. That's literally what's happening. Is there what was called Judaizers would come in. He refers to this in other passages where Judaizers would come in. And that would be like me preaching to you on Sunday morning and then somebody else coming to your work and say, hey, let, uh, everything that Pastor Mark said yesterday, garbage, forget it all. Let me tell you what, what, what's real. That's what that would be like. And maybe you have somebody at your work that does that, I don't know. Give them my number. No, I'm kidding. I don't want to talk to them, I don't care. Uh, but that's what Paul is, is addressing here, is, is I'm going around. Now, you know, he, he's writing to a Corinthian church. This church was already pretty messed up. This church was already kind of on the fence with some things. They weren't the most, they, they were, you know, a very immature church in Colossians chapter or uh, 1 Corinthians chapter three, in the first letter to the Corinthian church, Paul addresses this and it says, you ought to be able to eat meat by now, but I'm having to feed you more milk like babes in Christ. He said you ought to be, which means there was an expectation of maturity and they hadn't done it. And they were also a very immoral church. But on top of that, they also had all kinds of gifts and, 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 and services and, and, and all these prophecies and tongues and interpretations and they're singing psalms over each other. And he said, how is it every time you come together, someone's got a psalm? And every time, someone, every time you guys come together, someone's got a prophecy. And every time, there, where, where's the teaching of the word? Where's the fundamentals? Where's the foundation? You, you guys are exercising all these spiritual gifts, but you're not exercising spiritual fruit. You've got the gifts of the Spirit in operation, but you don't have the fruit of the Spirit because there's jealousies, there's envies. You're taking each other to court. Uh, you got this guy over here sleeping with his stepmom. First Corinthians chapter five, it's there. That's the real deal. This church was messed up. And so he's writing to this church saying that this, this stuff is serious that we're talking to you about. This stuff that we're bringing to you, like this is what I'm enduring for your sake. This is what I'm going through for your sake. We talked about that last week. If you're not gonna endure it for yourself, at least endure it for someone else that needs to hear the message that you're bringing. Paul endured a lot. He said, man, there's times where I've been betwixt between the two. To go on and be with the Lord would be far better, but to stay here and remain with you is necessary. That's what he said. And so he's talking about what he's enduring for the sake of the gospel. He's talking about the, the challenges, the trials, the persecutions. And he has developed a position, a heart position on the inside that he is content and even thankful for those challenges, 
for those weaknesses, for those oppressions, for the persecutions. He has developed within. If you go into chapter 11, the chapter right before what we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he gives the whole resume. He said, I've been shipwrecked. I've been beaten. I've been left for dead. I died one time. They stoned me, left me for dead. I died, came back to life. I've been naked, I've been ashamed. Uh, Even those that were the closest to me abandoned me, left me, and turned their back on me and actually started accusing me. I mean, he gives the whole resume of everything he's been through. Then he jumps over into chapter 12, opens up with this revelation that the Lord showed him, and then quickly follows up. But of all the things that I could boast about, I could boast about this revelation, I could boast about this experience, or I could boast about my weaknesses. I would rather boast in my weaknesses. I would rather proclaim to you how through all the hardship and through all the persecution, I'm still grateful, I'm content, I'm thankful because it was through the weaknesses that he has been proven strong. This is his position. I wonder how many of us, has anyone else noticed that we live in like one of the most discontented ages, generations of all time? I mean, just just living life with contentment. The, The word content literally means to have no desire for more. That's literally what contentment means. And we live in the most discontented age. I mean, I, I, you, you see it. I watch a lot of ESPN. You, you see these athletes, man. It's like they're angry about something. It's, you play a sport for a living and you make a lot of money doing it. You play a game. Do you realize there are people that pick up trash every day? Do you realize that there's people that bag groceries every day? And I'm not minimizing those tasks at all because those are amazing tasks. You know, that is an occupation. People are putting food on the table. But in in the side of, you know, just for the natural, uh, uh, you know, comparison, picking up trash versus playing a sport, shooting a basketball into a hoop. I, I read the other day that some NBA player came out and said that in a few years, we're gonna be talking about the damages of sleep deprivation for basketball players. And you should have seen the comment section from all the blue collar workers that pay lots of money to go to a stadium to watch these guys play. You don't think, you know, one, one comment said, sleep deprivation is because you're an adult. Not because you're an NBA basketball player. That's just a part of being an adult. The the level of discontent. What's next? Paper cuts? I mean, my gosh. But we live in in a society that fuels discontentment. Because we tell you that what you, what you have isn't enough. And we tell you that where you're at isn't enough. And, 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 and we, we tell you that how much you make isn't enough. And we tell you where you live isn't enough. And, and, and so what, what, what really ends up feeling this is a consumeristic approach to life. And this is really the answer to all of it. 
is that gratitude is assigned to value. Gratitude is always assigned to value. You will never be grateful for something that you don't place value on. So value is really our answer. And this is the problem. When I live with a consumeristic approach to life, an approach that tells me I need something else, what I have is no longer good, that's why you have to get a new phone every 12 months. They tell you that. They tell you that it's no good. Because guess what? It's still good. It still does the same stuff it did yesterday. But they play, they come out, and look, I'm, I'm probably more techie than anybody else in this room, so I can, I can preach this. <laughs> it's the first time I did not buy an iPhone on the day that it came out was this year. Probably since, I don't know, 2008, 2009. Probably for at least the last 10 years, I have had a different iPhone every 12 months. And finally, they, I, you know, not because I couldn't, but because they didn't address any issues that I care about. Because apparently people like to take, you like to take pictures and videos with your phone. Anybody do that? Anybody that has kids? Then I, you know, apparently I'm not capturing enough. Apparently I'm not doing enough. Flip that over. If it has three cameras, does that have three lenses? It's got three lenses. It's got three lenses. My gosh, how many lenses do you need on a phone? So that's about the only thing they addressed. I'm like, I don't need it. I don't care. Everything else is literally the same. But this is the society that we live in. They tell you what you need and what you don't need. They tell you when it's good and when it's no longer good. And so what happens is, is we become consumers rather than contributors. We become consumers rather than contributors. And this is the difference. This is what is really the difference that determines, do I become content with something or discontent with something. Because as a consumer, I'm perpetually discontent. As a contributor, I will become content with even the base. It's amazing the things, Paul is showing us right here in this passage, it's amazing the things you can become content with. Paul says, I'm even content with my sufferings. Why? Because I live my life for what I can give, not for what I can get. That's the difference. A contributor lives life saying, what can I give back? A consumer says, what can I get out of it? That's the difference. So consumers are perpetually discontent. That's why we tell you in this church, and I'm speaking to the choir. This is our midweek group. I'm speaking to the ones that are the most locked in, most faithful uh, and, 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 and serving faithfully. But, but the, you know, when we bring a consumer approach to church, when we walk in a church and immediately begin critiquing, does it meet my needs? Does it have what I need? Does it afford me the opportunity? Rather than recognizing that the Bible actually says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that he places us in the body where it pleases him, not maybe necessarily where it pleases us. 
A couple weeks ago, I ministered on the difference between excuses and reasons. And I can tell you right now that there's, you can come up with excuses not to attend this church. The lights might be too bright. It might be too big. It might be too small. The, the music might be too loud. It might not be relevant enough. They might not have enough for my age group. Might not have enough for my kids. Might, not, might have too much going on. You know, you can find excuses. But what about if we started finding reasons? What if we started, this is why I need to be here and this is why I need to do this and this is why I need to stick it out and this is why I'm gonna endure and you start finding reasons rather than excuses. Well, we can do this with anything in life. I can find a reason to stick it out in my marriage or I can find an excuse not to. I can find a reason to save financially or I can find an excuse to spend. I can find a reason to sow into the kingdom of God or I can find an excuse and there, you, you, you'll find whatever you want. We've talked about this. Your, your mind will come to whatever conclusion you determine. And so consumers, when we live as consumers and when we live for what we can get out of something, guess what? We compromise things. We compromise things. Paul right here, he's saying, I could boast about this revelation, what I got from God. But instead, I'm gonna boast about what I can give and what I endure to give, what I have learned to be content with. Did you know that contentment is learned? Did you know gratitude is learned? It's not automatic. Gratitude, he's showing us, gratitude is not tied to what's happening to me. My gratitude is not tied to what's happening to me. What does that mean? That means if I'm having a good day, I'm grateful, I'm thankful. If I'm content with it, if I enjoy it, if it suits me. But then the moment that I'm not having a good day, Someone doesn't treat me nice. I don't get the order right at Chick-fil-A. That actually happened to me for the first time. Got a completely wrong order. Can you believe that? With Christian chicken, I got the wrong order. And they said, have a blessed day and everything. But it was the wrong food. Couldn't, I was like, am I at McDonald's? Where, where am I right now? McDonald's, I can count more times I've got it wrong than I've got it right, you know. But does that determine my day? Does that determine my level of gratitude? Does that determine my complexion, my demeanor, my contentment? Or is contentment something I choose on the inside of me before anything ever happens to me? Contentment is a choice. Gratitude is a choice. And Paul is showing us this. Paul was saying, I could boast in these revelations. I could boast. He, look, he's, look I've, I've been there, but I would rather boast in my sufferings. I would rather boast in the stuff that I have, again, endured for your sake. Paul's not doing this for his benefit. Meaning Paul's not doing this for what he can get out of it. I know it's all gonna pay off for me in one day. He's told them repeatedly, I'm doing this for your sake. This is for your benefit. 
He even says there in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and the chapter before, he goes through that whole resume, shipwrecked, died, stoned, beaten, you know, on down, left in the cold, uh, naked. And then the very last thing, then my daily concern for the churches. On top of all that, my daily care and concern for the churches. That's why he did what he did. That's why he endured what he endured. And so his gratitude is flowing not from what's happening to him, but from a choice that he's already made on the inside. In Philippians chapter four, Philippians chapter four, which by the way, is written from a jail cell. Philippians chapter four is written, Philippians, the whole book, They call it the happiest book in the Bible because he talks about joy. He talks about rejoicing. We talked about that last week. Are we enduring or are we enjoying? And then we found there's really not a difference. I'm not enduring unless I'm enjoying, that my joy is key. The Bible says it's the joy of the what? Lord, that is your strength. I don't even have strength for the next battle unless I'm pulling joy out of the last one. That's what my joy does. My joy strengthens me. Joy in the Lord, not joy as an emotional happiness, not joy as in, can you you give me what I want? Can you tell me what I want? are, Are all my needs met? That's not joy. And if we're chasing that, if we're chasing great gratitude and and contentment and joy in what happens to us, guess what? You're not going to be, you're going to find yourself a consumer in life that will never be satisfied. An appetite that'll never be filled. Have the, never. It's a rat race. That's why we have the generation and the society that we have. But in Philippians chapter four and verse 10, he says this, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be what? Content. It's learned. Contentment is learned. Well, I just can't be content. Now, there is a holy discontentment because the opposite of, of contentment is you know, uh, or a lot of people think that contentment is synonymous with complacency, and it's not the same. Oh, I'm just content. And, 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 and see, in the kingdom of God, contentment is not passionless. It's, in fact, contentment fuels my passion. Contentment fuels my desire to drive on, to pursue, to press. Because I'm, confi- I'm, I'm content with the pressure. I'm content with the challenge. I've recognized that this is a part of my striving, a part of my enduring, a part of me pressing on. When someone goes to the gym to work out, they don't complain about the weight. They're content with the weight, recognizing that it's what causes the building up, what causes the strengthening. So we can't complain about the very thing that God's using to build us, to strengthen us, to develop us. And that's what Paul is saying. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. It's amazing the things you can be content with. 
when we start living as contributors and rather, uh, rather than consumers. It's amazing the things that you'll learn to be content with. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. And this is what he says. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That's the verse that we read, verse 13. That's the verse that we quote all the time. I can do all things through Christ. He's talking about contentment. That's what he's talking about. That's that's the context of that verse. He's trying to help us understand. When, When we're quoting, for I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me. What he's trying to help us recognize is you can be content with anything. It's not what is happening to you. But it's what is, but it is what God is developing within you. It's not what is happening to you, but it's, God, what are you doing within me? For I can do all things through Christ who gives, regardless of what I'm paid, regardless of what job it is, regardless of where I live. We all, you know, contentment is, is interesting because we all have a concept of contentment. We all have an idea of if I was over there, the grass is always greener approach. You ever heard that? You ever heard someone say the grass is greener where you water it? Right? I heard one person say the grass was greener before you got here and you killed it. It was fine until you got here. Right? It's, 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 it's a concept. It's an idea. You got one person crying because they can't meet a spouse. You got another person crying because they feel tied to their spouse and want out. I mean, contentment is not found in meeting natural needs. Contentment is found from within. It's making a decision within, no matter what, hap- no matter what is happening to me. No matter what is going on, no matter where I'm, I'm feeling persecuted, pressured, challenged. This is what we've got to understand. So Paul is showing us, Paul is not giving us a recipe to get stuff. He's not giving us a recipe to give to get more. He's not giving us, uh, you know, this recipe of, of, all right, this is how you get content. This is how you, you turn your, your, your five into 10. This is how you turn your two into four. This is how you get more. No, it's being content with what you already have, where you're at. Paul is actually saying, if you follow in my footsteps, you'll find out that pressures and trials and challenges, you'll never get rid of those. And if we abandon, you know, a, I heard someone say recently that our generation today, our society today is the most mobile generation we've ever had. 
Meaning that we don't stay at the same address very long. We don't stay at the same job very long. We don't stay in the same location very long. And I can just tell you right now, there is so much kingdom that is forfeited in our lives when we don't remain planted. There's no shortcut to planting. Just staying locked in somewhere. I mean, this is just becoming more and more uh, real to me in my life. Even when I was ministering on the seasons, seasons come and go. And you just got to learn to endure stuff. You just got to learn that, hey, it's a down season right now. Don't be moved. Because if you leave when it's down to go somewhere when it's up, one day it's going to be down and you're just going to put yourself, all you're doing is setting precedent that I'm not going to actually endure the season. And if I don't endure a season of planting, guess what? I'm not going to enjoy a season of harvest. The enjoying harvest comes to those that endure planting. Remaining. Becoming fixed. That's one thing I admire. I love getting around uh, people that have been in ministry for a long time. I'm talking like 20, 25 plus years. Pastor Daryl Huffman, we've had him in here uh, almost every single year this church has been in operation. And I just love being around uh, he and his wife, uh, Pastor Bonnie, and just uh, hearing their stories, their, their times where they had to just stick it through. I mean, he, he's got stories, man, it would just blow you away. Stories that today people would up and quit. I mean, the 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 the... Status quo now, the average length of a church plant is 36 months. Three years. They start and buy somewhere within 36 months. It's just too hard, too unbearable. They don't press through. What was just on the other side of their quitting? What was just on the other side of pulling out? What was just on the other side of of them saying, I can't do it anymore? What is on the other side? And that's what Paul was trying to show us. What's on? I can do all things. Man, when I've had an overwhelming amount, when I've had enough, great. Those times were awesome. But I've learned how to be content in both. It's amazing what we can become content with, what we can be grateful with. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. That statement right there. If I were Paul, you ever play that? If I were Jesus, if I were Paul, I wouldn't have written the two-thirds of the New Testament. I can tell you that right now. But, because my words wouldn't have been worth putting in a book for people to read for the rest of eternity. But for Paul, he's saying, you Philippians, of all the churches he's planted, of all the edifying, building up, encouraging, strengthening, going to, staying there, getting a church raised up, raising up a leader to take it over, traveling on somewhere else. These churches were in his daily care. These churches were under his daily concern. He, he would he'd pray for these churches. This is my prayer towards you. They're, they're recorded in scripture. Almost every single church has a prayer recorded for them. They were always on his heart. And then he ends up in prison for their sake, for doing what he's been doing to get them launched. And only one church? That's not a great percentage. 
I would be complaining about the other churches to the Philippians. At least you give. Let me tell you what the Corinthian church did. Let me tell you what the Thessalonians did. I would be going off. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. (laughs) I'm not trying to manipulate you. Oh, poor Paul in prison. Prisoner Paul, he's he's in need of something. All right, let's raise up a fund. Let's do this. Let's send him that. That's not what he's saying. Look at this. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward. For your kindness. I tell you right now, compassion flows from contentment. Compassion for someone else's need first flows when you become content with your own. Listen, he's in prison, in prison. Saying, I'm not saying this because I want something from you, even though I'm in need, even though I'm in a place where trials and pressures are real right now. I, you know, I don't even know if, you know, he's writing this letter. He's not sending a text message. He's not emailing them where they're going to get it, you know, in a couple seconds. He's writing this letter not knowing if they're coming in the next morning to execute him and if this letter is even going to make it to the Philippian church. We're talking dire straits. We're not talking, you know, he's not in a hotel somewhere. He's in prison. And in that scenario, he still is able to say, I'm thinking about what is to your account. What is to your benefit? What will better you? And this is an opportunity for you. I don't want you to miss your opportunity. And you cannot be compassionate for others' needs until you become content with your own. Out of his contentment, out of his gratitude, out of his thankfulness, which helped him endure, which helped him fight, which helped him press on. He's still thinking about how can it benefit the Philippian church? Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs. I mean, listen to the wording he's using. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Why would anybody believe him? He's writing this from prison. But what he's helping them see is God is supplying my needs, not just because it's evident on the outside. God is supplying my needs, meeting my needs, that even through my weaknesses, I'm still able to sit in a prison cell writing you a letter that's gonna build you up and encourage you. It's perspective. It's all about how you see it. This same God who takes care of me. What are you talking about taking care of you, Paul? You're going to die. No, I'm taken care of. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, we've seen these verses before. But this was Paul's key. This was the answer for Paul. Paul, how are you enduring? How are you staying content? How are you staying? How are you remaining grateful? How are you remaining consistent with your gratitude? I mean, gratitude, I mean, if we could just learn to live life with gratitude, you would find you wouldn't need more. You would just need to start seeing what you have differently. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, this is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. It was all about where he was focusing. Our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Guys, let me tell you this. Even if trouble lasted you all of your life, that still wouldn't be very long in light of eternity. That's how small our lives are. That's why we gotta have a bigger picture, a bigger mentality, a bigger mindset. Guys, I'm talking about enduring. I'm talking about lasting. And we're not even lasting just the little sliver of time that we're given on this life because even that we magnify to this big. And he's saying, it's not gonna last very long. Our present troubles are small, won't last very long, yet they produce. What are your troubles producing? Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. And here's the key. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For Paul, contentment was about focus. Gratitude was about focus. Thankfulness was about focus. It's about focus. We don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. New King James says that it's the the things that we can see are temporary. But those things that we cannot see are eternal. They're eternal. So it's about what we're fixing our eyes on. It's about what we're looking at. It's about where we're fixing our focus. It's about the the perspective that we live our lives with that determines, are we grateful for it? Or are they breaking us down? Is life just happening to us? Is life breaking us down? And the challenges and the pressures? See, See, Paul learned to even be content and satisfied and grateful even for those enemies, those challengers, those persecutors, those that were breaking him, those things, those that were coming against him, those that were were trying to stop the message of the kingdom. He even said in one passage, I believe it's in Philippians in maybe chapter one or chapter two, where he said he was even thankful for the chains that he was in because it's helped him advance the gospel with people that may never otherwise get to hear it. What kind of perspective is that? 
What kind of perspective is that? It's saying, man, these people around me, they're really irritating. They want nothing to do with me. They're almost oppressive and, and, and persecuting me. But now I have an opportunity to live a light before people that may not, they may never step through the doors of a church, but I just brought it to them because I am the church. The church is an event, is not an event. The church is not a time. The church is not a building. The church is a person. I am the church. I am Jesus in the flesh to somebody today. Who can I present Jesus to? And the more hurting people I see, the more people that I see that need what I have. And so it's not about living on this earth to get something for me so I can go somewhere, but it's living on this earth to get God to do something in my life so he can do something through my life for someone else. And as long as I'm on this planet, there's somebody that needs what I have. I'm not here for my own glory. I'm not here for my own benefit. I'm not here to just live a satisfied life, to get the house and the two cars and the dog and the kids and raise them up, put them in a good college, get them off on their careers, retire and die and go away someday. That's not why we're here. I exist for someone else. Who is benefiting from our trials? Who's benefiting from our struggles? Who's struggles, trials, Jesus said it himself, they're gonna come. Trials and tribulations, they'll come. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So he's trying to get our eyes off of the trial and onto the answer. And so I can endure the trial so I can be the answer to someone else. I can endure the challenge so that God can put me in front of someone that needs to see the light in the midst of darkness. We're gonna look around our lives and we're gonna see things that are contrary. We're gonna see things that are uh, oppressive, uh, opposing, um, that, that, that come against, challenge, conflict, what we know we are called to do. And guys, you're no, you're no different than Paul, even Jesus. He got irritated with those disciples sometimes. How much longer must I bear with you? Especially around the religious leaders and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. but he recognized that I'm here for a greater purpose. And so I'm gonna endure this trial. But guys, I know this, where gratitude is high, discontentment is low. Where gratitude is high, discontentment is low. So just something to think about. I know if we went around this room and I handed off the microphone and I said, what's something you're thankful for? I'm sure, you know, it might take a little bit of thinking depending on how bad your day or week has been. But I'm sure at some point you could say, man, I'm, you know, I'm thankful that I have a roof over my head. I'm thankful that I have a job. There's plenty of people that don't. I'm thankful that I've got kids. I know that there's others that are believing for kids. Even if mine, you know, I might need to smack them, might need to kill them and raise them back to life or something, you know. But what are, what are the things we could be grateful for, thankful for, learn to be content with that may not automatically bring contentment? Maybe the challenges, maybe the struggles, the trials, the persecutions, the sufferings. And let me just make this very clear because there is denominations and there are uh, theologies and doctrines out there that like to proclaim this. But the sufferings and the trials and the challenges do not come from 
God. God is not the source of suffering. God is not the source of sickness and disease. God is not the source of lack. God is not trying to break you down. God's not trying to take things away from you. God's not trying to beat you over the head. God's not trying to teach you a lesson. That's not the God that we serve. John 10, 10 is very clear that the thief has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come to bring life, Jesus said, and bring life more abundantly. That's what Jesus said. So you gotta be very clear. Oh, Lord, thank you for teaching me a lesson with this cancer. No, that's not how you teach people a lesson. That's how you kill people. That doesn't teach you stuff. Can, well, my, you know, I, my faith can be strengthened. Sure, it can be strengthened. It can be strengthened when you overcome it, just like the word says, by his stripes, you are healed. By his stripes, you were healed. And see the glory of God revealed in it. I can learn through that, sure, but God is not the source of it. Gotta be very clear with that because I know that there's plenty out there that want to tell you that it does come from God. But that's not the God that's consistent with the word. It's not the God that's consistent with his identity and his character and I shall not dare question his character and his reputation as someone that plants on people or puts on people those type of afflictions. But he will see me out of it. He will see me through the challenge because when I am weak, he is strong. So what opportunities do we have to see his strength revealed? What opportunities do we have to see his glory revealed in our lives? Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.